Hi everyone, I'm Frank Keith of Sweetheart Pub, and welcome back to the Music Rookie Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm talking with Alyssa DeHaze, who is sort of a renaissance woman in the music industry. Alyssa is a publicist with Riot Act Media. She's also the founder of indie record label Arrowhawk Records, based out of Athens, Georgia. She also acts as a project manager of sorts for Asthmatic Kitty, mainly working with someone you might have heard of, goes by the name of Sufjan Stevens. Over the course of our conversation, we'll talk about what the value of publicity or PR is for artists in 2021, managing growth over the course of your career, managing expectations, and setting realistic goals as you progress. We'll also talk about general release plans from the perspective of Alyssa as a label owner. And as we wrap the podcast, Alyssa will tell us about her new program, Album Relief, a consulting course slash troubleshooting slash brainstorming help for any artist self-releasing an album in 2021. Needless to say, Alyssa has a lot to share with us since she works in several different facets of the industry. So I won't take up any more time introducing her. I'll let her take it from here. Let's get started. I, I know you do a lot of different things and you're actually the first publicist we've talked to on the podcast. I think just because it's what we do. It's what we do. We just said it wasn't at the top of the list, but I'm super pumped to talk to you. I, I guess we can just start with something super open-ended and that is what is the value of a PR campaign for an artist in 2021? Ooh, the value of PR campaign. Well, I think it's very valuable. I think everybody's goals are different and growth is going to look different depending on where you are growth stage wise. But I think the biggest thing for me is growth. I think, especially when you begin working with an artist, you really can't make specific guarantees or, you know, maybe just kind of rewinding the process a little bit. Like, I feel like some, something I try to convey to artists is that publicity isn't like a menu you can order from. It's wonderful to go through wish lists and have targets and goals, but it isn't like you can roll up and be like, yes, I'll have one pitchfork, I'll have two stereo gums, and I'll finish it all off with a fader feature interview. But ideally, you will end your campaign further along more with more awareness for your art than where you started. And, you know, I think if, if you have moved the needle in some way, then you've grown and there's value there. And, and I think publicity and specifically music press can really help you tell your story in a way that you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell it on your own. And, you know, kind of the obvious one, to reach new fans. You know, if, if you're at the point where you have decided that you want to bring someone onto your team to do your publicity, you've probably been spending time on your social media. You have probably at least built a name for yourself in your local market. And now it's time for someone else to sort of pick up all the pieces for you and run with it and help you expand that sphere of influence. Yeah, I, I think that's great. You touched on a lot of points that I hammer home before I work with anyone. I, I think it's really important. The menu metaphor is so great. I'm going to start using that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, with, with the menu metaphor, it's like 
that that's not to say that you shouldn't be super aware of what the media landscape even is. And, and I think it's such, it's so important for artists to just know what's even out there, know what outlets exist, who writes about what at those outlets. I mean, they, they don't have to be the human Rolodex that a publicist needs to be, but just have a sense for, you know, what it, what is a little bit influential for the kind of music you're making so that you can have targets and goals, but just not get too pinned to any one thing as your idea of success. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of times I'll ask for a wish list for like, you know, we, we work in almost exclusively Americana, right? And somebody would be like, I want a pitchfork. And I'm like, do you read pitchfork? Have you looked at their website lately? Yep. Yep. Or, uh, you know, not, not to, not to rag on anyone, but there's always those funny inquiries where an artist, um, is really set on something and you have to explain like that outlet folded two years ago, or, um, you know, maybe they don't do that column anymore and, and they probably won't bring that column back if they haven't done it in two years, just because I reach out to them since I'm not the editor of that publication. <laughs> yeah. Great point. Also something you mentioned, when to hire a publicist. Obviously, a music career is a long game. And I think it's super important that people realize, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work with anyone that's a great record and it's willing to do the damn thing. But like a debut artist that hasn't even set up their website or social media yet, you can do PR on your own. And we'll get to that a little later. I know you have something to talk about there, <laughs> but I think it's really important for people to know. I don't want to speak for you, but I think you don't need to be hiring out the work until it's overwhelming for you to do it yourself. Yes. You know, not to, not to sound, not to sound too like businessy and, and be like synergy, growth hacking, scaling, but you know, it, it is kind of the concept of scaling in a sense to where you're building a team and you're bringing people onto your team and it's an investment. So, you know, in a, in a perfect world, we would all just have unlimited resources and we could hire lots of people to do any of the stuff that we're not good at, or we're not getting results at, or we don't like to do, or we don't have time to do, but, you know, very similarly to if you were starting a business some people starting a business are in a position to just go right out and hire a full staff, but other people who are running maybe a small business, you grow a little bit and then you might bring on your first employee and then another need might arise and you bring on your second employee and you'll be scaling and growing, but there's a timing to it when, you know, when you can afford it, when, when there is work to be done. So, you know, in, in terms of timing, there's sort of a twofold thing to look at, which is just where are you at in your growth stage as an artist, whether that is, you know, have you done anything you can do on your own and you're kind of starting to plateau and have you done enough on your own to set the foundation that now a publicist can hop in and run with it. And then there is proximity to the album release itself since you know, most media need to know about things pretty well in advance. And if you're reaching out to someone and your album's already been out for six months, they can still help you share it with media, but it's not going to have the same punch as if you'd had proper lead time. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lead time. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. It's one of the only things you can control, right? So like there are always things you can do for better outcomes, but you cannot force someone to fall in love with an album. You can't control what else might be on their editorial calendar, but you can control whether or not you stay on time and stay on track and at least give people the amount of time they would need. Totally. Totally. Well, talking about lead time, why don't we take a little pivot here to Arrowhawk records? I've, I've talked to several label people. I'm going to put air quotes around that, which won't work in a podcast format, super indie label people. And I sought them out because I get a question all the time, regularly enough, not all the time. An artist like, Hey, I see such and such is releasing a record on their own record label. Should I start a label? And obviously you're not an artist, a band, like doing your own thing. You just run a label. So it's a little different, but what does, and this, (laughs) I, I realize this could be a very long conversation, so we could just go for the highlights here, but a release timeline, release plan for Arrowhawk records. What does that look like? Yeah. inception to distribution and all the other messy things in between. Totally. Um, It's lengthy. One thing I actually want to touch upon before diving into all that, I think you raised a really important point. And I hear this a lot from artists too, where they're like, should I start my own label? And sometimes, and, and, and usually when I have those conversations, my response is like, do you plan on putting out other artists' music too? Like, do you actually want to run a label? And if the answer is like, yes, I really want to give this a shot. I want to sign other artists and share with them this platform that I've built for myself, these resources I've built for myself. I mean, I, I also work for Asthmatic Kitty. I work for a artist-founded label. But other times I hear artists bring up that, should I start a label? Because they think that if they self-release an album, it's not going to look good or that they might have better success if it's like, if it just says something, something records after their name. And in those situations, I'm always, personal opinion, I'm like, don't bother doing that if you're just doing it because you think it'll look bad, air quotes, again, for, for listeners to, who aren't seeing this zoom really don't have to come up with a fake label name just because you think it might look bad. And sometimes I honestly even suspect that like, if you are trying, if one of your goals is to work with a label in the future, then it might behoove you to appear available and not appear like you are currently in an agreement that is actually just you because you didn't want to say self-release self-releasing is awesome. It's, it's totally badass. It's, you know, why not take credit for all your hard work? (laughs) I hadn't thought about that being available thing. I'm like picturing bands accidentally wearing fake wedding bands. (laughs) (laughs) Guys just move along. Yeah. Well, any, any of the phrase I used to hear people use a lot would be, would be kind of like vanity label. Like it would just be kind of yeah. like a placeholder. And it's sort of like, if it's a placeholder and there's not really meaning in it to you, don't bother. Just say yourself releasing it. 
That's so cool. And, and lots of established artists self-release. Like I work with Laura Veers. She releases her own music on her own label and, or, or she releases her music herself. And also, you know, there, there's no shame in being like, yeah, I'm going to do this myself. So totally agree. I guess to go to your timeline point, timelines for us are pretty lengthy and that's for a number of reasons. One is just, we're small. It's me and a couple other people and we all have other jobs and other projects and really want to make sure that we give ourselves enough time and we want to give every release its own window. There, there's nothing wrong with kind of having campaigns overlap a little bit like ships in the night or passing trains, but I really like to try to give, give uh, every album its kind of own own time to shine, own time to like really be the focus of the email list and the focus of our socials and, and really the focus of our attention. So when it comes down to timelines, we typically are working about a year into the future, which can be, you know, I, I know that's not uncommon. I know a lot of labels are working two, three years into the future. It, it does always present the challenge of like, you want an artist to still be excited about an album when it finally comes out. And, you know, they've been working on this music for so long and could feel really weird if it's like, all right, great job three years from when you wrote these songs, they'll finally come out. But, you know, there's the spacing out on our calendar and we really time everything around the physical elements. So if we're doing a digital plus tape, plus some kind of creative merch item, we can turn that around a lot more quickly. But if we have a vinyl component, vinyl is super backed up right now. And, and it's for a number of reasons. There's just straight up increased demand, which is fantastic. I think a lot of people spent a lot of the pandemic, maybe getting their listening stations at home, really kind of like done up and cozy and fun. And I think people really, we've always known how important it is to directly support artists with your dollars, but I think it really hit home when touring stopped that like you need to buy records and there's PVC shortages on the horizon and, you know, there've been staffing hiccups during the pandemic. So vinyl, it's pretty slow. So if there's going to be a vinyl component, that is what we kind of base everything around. And then we talk to our distributor because our distributor is going to know, you know, I, I reached out to our distributor with a timeline I wanted the other day. And they were like, that bumps into record store day and stores will have just spent a lot of money on record store day titles. You should wait a little second so that they can recoup a little bit and then start buying new stock. So insights like that are so valuable to me to have kind of other people in your corner who can tell you what's going to be going on in the world that might be a blind spot for you. But yeah, typically I'd, I'd say... In the shortest case scenario, it takes about eight months for us to, to turn something around between physical product, getting marketing plans together, retail marketing with stores, and then the press component, which takes about as long as the final. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? I'm trying to think of what else to ask you about label life. 
Yeah. Obviously, you're you're an indie. I think you're a very well-run indie, by the way. There's all shapes and sizes of labels out there. One thing that I come back to a lot for people people who are like, okay, or they come to me. And they're like, I've got this record. I want you to be my publicist, but I'm going to shop it to labels first. And I want to put it out in three months. I'm like, no, no, that's one of these things might happen, but not all of them. I really hope you do land on a label, but also why are you seeking a label if you already have the record in hand? I guess, you know, it just comes down to goals, right? Mm -hmm. That's really every facet of any plan. How do you get to your goals? And I don't think people necessarily realize maybe you don't need to be chasing a label I think it could be, yeah. worth it, but what do you really need? You know, do you just need the bank or mm-hmm. are you looking for some stamp of approval that might not carry as much weight as you think it does? Yeah. And, and, you know, different labels are going to do different things, right? Like I feel like whenever I'm talking to an artist who's like, should I self-release or should I go with a label offer? The things that come to mind for me are of course, financial support and different levels of labels are going to have different levels of financial support. And it's not a gift. It's a loan. It's, it's a loan that you will hopefully recoup. So, you know, it's, that's even something to keep in mind because I've also over the years seen certain artists getting label deals where that recoupment point just gets run up so high and the spending is so much spending is occurring that you're like, oh, honey, you're like never going to break even. And so that's always something to consider is even like, how much financial support do you want? And how much financial support is the right size? What what is actually necessary for where you're at? And the other thing I think about a lot is like, can the label take a good bit of administrative burden? off of you? Or do they have experience in things that you don't have experience in? Do they maybe have connections or partnerships with people that you could not reach on your own? Do they have an audience that you would like to tap into? Like, is there a community? Is there an audience? Because I feel like there are some, some labels definitely have people who just sort of like follow the label. Maybe they have a niche or a sound and start to build a community of fans that are like, whenever that label signs an artist, I always check it out. I know I'm probably going to like it. Or are they more, you know, there, there are other labels that I think are a little more low key and more project support based where maybe they're not super forward facing themselves. So those are kind of like the key factors that I think about, because it's not just all about financing, because you could go with someone who's just financing, but maybe can't help you reach new fans. Or you could go with someone who maybe can't finance a ton, but could help you tap into a community you want to be a part of, or connect you with fans and other artists. Like there's so many ways it could go. And I I think of us maybe a little more on the end of, you know, we, we finance a lot. We can't finance everything. We're a small operation, but over the years, I think we have carved out a little bit of a niche. Like 
it's, it feels good. I've had friends recently be like, Oh, check out this band. It sounds very Arrowhawk core. And I'm like, Oh, we have a sound. We have a sound. You're aware of it. That's cool. And, and so I think like something that makes me feel really happy, even though I love a ton of different kinds of music and it wasn't really intentional to start forming a niche at a certain point, it does feel kind of nice to be in a spot where we have a lot of repeat customers and it's cool to see the same name pop up buying from maybe four of our artists and and be like, okay, we're kind of acting as a little bit of a conduit that can help you connect with, with, with new fans that are going to like what you're working on. That's really cool. Congrats y'all. No, I, I, I get so hyped up. If I see a name pop up even twice, I will like search back in my inbox and be like, Bob Smith, that sounds familiar. Oh, they bought a Chris Crofton record. And then they bought a Jeffrey Silverstein record. They're following along with us. And it feels so good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it makes me real happy. Well, with that, why don't you tell me what you've got going on with album relief? Yeah. So album relief is a four-week workshop for artists who want to learn to do their own publicity. I've also had some past, you know, workshop attendees, I guess is the right word. I've I've had folks who work at labels take it. And then I've had folks who are maybe trying to learn how to do press for someone else take the workshop. And it all sort of came about because sort of twofold motivation. One, for five years, I taught music publicity at UGA in the music business program which was such a a wonderful experience, but I wanted to also have some kind of avenue to teach different lessons directly to artists. So much of what I was teaching was like, so you want to be a publicist, here's how to get into the industry. But then for artists, you know, the same questions were always coming up over and over. How do I plan a timeline? How do I pitch media? When do I pitch media? Or I would have so many phone calls from bands who would be like, yeah, I threw my album on Bandcamp about six months ago. Nothing happened. Can we do publicity now? And it breaks my heart every time I have to say like, oh no, you, you didn't do any groundwork. You didn't, you didn't do any prep work. And the answer is usually like, well, I couldn't afford a publicist at the time. And yeah, it, it breaks my heart because if you haven't done any groundwork, and you just throw your album on Bandcamp, like, yes, surprise drops are a thing, but you have to have an audience to be surprised. Like a surprise drop is not going to work unless there are a bunch of people who are going, whoa, I'm so surprised. I can't wait to buy this album. So I wanted to try to put something together that was kind of in a middle zone, specifically for self-released artists who are kind of like, look, I'm just not in a place to hire a publicist. I'm not there yet, either financially or maybe they're just putting out their first single. Maybe they really haven't built that foundation yet. And I wanted to show artists all the stuff that they can do on their own. And I think once you have learned to do this stuff yourself and maybe set up some press placements for yourself, you'll have a better chance of linking up with your dream team in the future because you'll start raising your own profile a little bit. And then down the road, if you're like, hey, this is a lot of work, which it is, and you decide to hire a publicist, you will probably work together more harmoniously 
because you'll understand the circumstances and parameters that your publicist is working within. You'll, you'll understand even how to tell your story, like something we work on a lot in one of the modules of the course is just figuring out your narrative and your talking points and your angles, because even if you're working with a publicist, and I'm sure you run into this too, you can only know what the artist tells you, you know, you'll be like, I'm totally just making up examples, but I feel like there are so many times that I get almost done with a campaign. And then the artist tells me something that is so fascinating or is so tied into what's happening in the world. You know, you're like at the end of a campaign and your artist is like, oh yeah, I learned to play guitar because I fell off a horse three years ago and couldn't walk for a year. And I laid in bed and taught myself guitar. And you're like, damn it, that's a story. Like we're artists are storytellers, publicists are storytellers. We need stories to tell. And whether you're doing your own press or working with a publicist, it takes some work on the artist side to just kind of dig, you know, we can, we can interview the artists we work with and try to draw stories out, but it makes such a difference when an artist has maybe put in the time and kind of figured out like, okay, you know, hard question, but what's interesting about me or what are maybe some anecdotes that shaped who I am or shaped the music I make, who shaped me, when did they shape me? You know, what is motivating me to write the music that I write? Who do I hope it's for? Like there's so many questions you can ask yourself either if you're in a workshop to do your own PR or working with publicists. So I just made a really long-winded answer of that, but it's a four-week workshop. It's opening up again in June. Yeah, I hope I hope folks join in. We had a lot of fun during the first session. We had we had some fun guests from Pitchfork and Consequence of Sound and Rolling Stone that we did some live Q and A's with, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll I'll be sure to link to that as well, so listeners can find their way over there. It's really cool you're doing that. It's fun. It's it's. You know, I also really struggled to find when I, when I was teaching my class at UGA, I really struggled to find any kind of teaching materials or teaching aids. And and I'm so glad that y'all provide so many great resources and articles on your website, because it's not easy to find like good, clear, actionable information about releasing an album or marketing yourself or promoting yourself, you know, it's, but it's so important. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough out there. We're, we're all about educating and empowering because at the end of the day, we're all in this together, whether we're getting on stage or not. Yep. And, and and it's so refreshing when you see folks with like clear, actionable advice, because it's a, it's a big old wide internet and everyone's a guru. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're just like, tell me what to do. So I, y'all do a good job of this. And I really strive to just have advice. That's like, here's what you can do today. Yeah. And do it. Yeah. I love it. Alyssa, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Of course. Of course. And there you have it. Thanks again to Alyssa for taking the time to speak with me today. If you'd like to keep up with Alyssa, any of her goings on, I'll provide links in the podcast description. But a good place for you to start would probably be 
alyssadehaze.com. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you have a specific question for one of our guests, feel free to tweet us at sweetheartpub, or you can shoot myself or Rachel an email. I'm frank at sweetheartpr.com. Rachel is rachel at sweetheartpr.com. We're not hard to find, and we will respond. I promise. If you're interested in more insider information like this, be sure to check out our weekly newsletter as well. You can sign up at our website, sweetheartpub.com. This episode was produced by me, Frank Keith, and our show's theme music was also produced by me. Once again, feels weird pointing to myself, but credit where credit is due. And with that, go do something useful.